Good morning. Welcome to this assembly of people who want to hear from God's Word. We're going to open this book, God's Word. Please open to the first page to Genesis chapter 1. The first book in the Bible is filled with truth every person here needs to listen to, believe in, and review, and take into life every single person. Genesis contains the stories of extraordinary people who can impress upon you indispensable lessons. Genesis will convey to you history <clears throat> that becomes the background for the rest of the Bible. Genesis will challenge you to be on guard against the common transgressions of man, the old mistakes that people have been making since the beginning. Genesis will remind you of the peril of making a commitment to God and then later drifting away from that commitment. Genesis will firm up in your mind fundamental moral principles which transcend dispensational boundaries. All of that in the first book. And even more, and even higher, Genesis introduces us to God. <clears throat> not just his factual existence, not just the miracle of creation, not just the response to good and evil. Genesis is spiritually strategic because I'm going to put it this way. Creation truth is essential for every one of us to learn and receive and apply. And it's all centered in God, in who God is and what he ought to mean to each of us. I want to take us to four places in Genesis chapter 1. Foundational to our faith, and I want to call this creation truth. First, the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. No man has ever come close to what God did, described in Genesis 1 and 2. No group of men <clears throat> have ever been able to duplicate the work of divine creation. It happened in one week, in the beginning of the existence of the heavens and the earth. Creation truth number one, only God can do this. The year I graduated from high school and went off to the army, 1966, Time Magazine ran a cover story with the title, Is God Dead? Many wanted to believe there is no God. See, when divine reality is rejected out of the same window, go moral obligation. 
There have always been people who don't want there to be a God. And they don't want there to be a God so bad, they will affirm, trying to convince themselves, God is dead. God does not exist. Many will make their atheism sound scientific, logical, objective, with all the academic optics of good science. But it often becomes apparent that at the root of unbelief, there is raw human independence. The zeal, the passion to run your own life as you see fit. Hoping and arguing and clamoring to convince yourself there is no God. And if no God, no standard, no obligation, no accountability. And many atheists delight in their bold claim that there will be no fear of punishment, no matter what kind of life you live or what you do. Do you remember, some of you will, several years ago, Ronald Reagan Jr. used to produce commercials and television advertising, atheism. Have you heard those? And at the end of those announcements affirming atheism, Ronald Reagan Jr. would say, I'm not afraid I'll go to hell. No wonder they want to believe there is no God. But however comforting that might be here under the sun, it just isn't so. Genuine science and objective research has made it increasingly difficult to make the case against God's existence. The intelligent design movement has given wide publicity to all kinds of powerful evidence that the earth, the natural world, the existence of human life <coughs> can be explained <coughs> in no other way. Here on the first page of the Bible, in fact, in the first verse, the miracle of creation that brought everything into existence. <clears throat> Psalms 33 and verse 9 has it in one sentence. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I want to ask you to consider that. He spoke and and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The only tool, the only tool God needed was the power of his word. Believing this, the writer of Hebrews said, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Creation truth number one. Only God can do this. God is unique, supreme, sovereign, and in all his choices and dealings with people and preparation for death, we are well advised to acknowledge and respond to the creator. Honor him, worship him in spirit and in truth. 
love him and keep his commandments. This is where the Bible starts. Page 1, creation truth, only God can do this. It will be very good for us to just lock into those words, only God can do this. In the book of Psalms, I want to read to you from chapter 62. And you'll hear this expression, God alone. Psalm 62 verse 1, for God alone, <clears throat> for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a, a, a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, I wait in silence, for my hope is found from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Only God has spoken. Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belong steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Only God. Creation truth. Only God can do this. Number two. Jesus was active. I'm going to be turning now to the New Testament in the Gospel of John. Jesus was active. When this creation truth is affirmed, it is not uncommon for this to evoke an initial reaction of skepticism. A typical response might be, well, Jesus wasn't even born. What we need to know is Christ existed with God in heaven before his birth, before his incarnation, and Christ was active in the work of creation. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him 
was not anything made that was made. So isn't it clear from this? When God spoke the world into existence, when the natural world was formed and natural processes set in motion, when all that took place, Jesus was there. He was active. By the power of God and with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was there. And thus it says in Genesis 1.26, Let us... Make man in our image. How important is this? To think of Jesus in terms of his pre-existence and his involvement in creation. Listen please in Colossians 1, 15 to 17. This is why this is so important. About Christ, Paul wrote... He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together." If I'm to be an obedient believer in Jesus Christ, my belief in him, my faith needs to acknowledge everything Paul says about him and his involvement in creation in Colossians 1, 15 to 17. Because just as I believe Jesus was active in creation, he is active in new creation. When I respond to the cross of Christ and become a new creature in him. Creation truth number two. Jesus was active in creation. Creation truth number three. God made man in his image. Back to Genesis chapter one. Find verse 27. And please mark that, at least in your mind, as important to you as an individual. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God made us in his image. Can we talk about what that means? Let's talk about what that means. It cannot mean that we look like God in visual or physical terms. God doesn't have a body like we have. Jesus spoke to this one time. He said, God is spirit in John 4, 24. And then in Luke 24, 29, he said, a spirit hath not flesh and bones. So we rule this out. Being made in the image of God doesn't mean we look like God in visual or physical terms. No, the image concept in Genesis 1, 27 has to do with those specific aspects of the nature of God that he installed in man. Let me say that again. The image concept in Genesis 1.27 has to do with those specific aspects of God's nature 
that he chose to install in man at creation. We don't share everything about God. We are not God. But there are aspects of his nature and character he put into us by his grace. Sometimes these are called communicable attributes that God installed in man. So it, it, let, me, let me be clear. We do not have God's creative power. We cannot perform or cause miracles. We cannot see everybody's motives. We do not know all and see all. But God in his grace communicated or installed in man certain attributes he did not give to vegetables and animals. The capacity of choice, our emotionality, the ability to think and reason and know what is right and wrong, the blessing we have of being able to respond to God and connect with Him through Christ in life and death in eternity. We were made in His image. That's creation truth number three. And may I add, both male and female, while different, are equal bearers of the divine image leading me to this creation truth. Male and female. Genesis 1.27 Male and female, he created them. It is outrageous that in our time there is a popular stream of thought that this gender difference ought to be brazenly denied. That a person's choice, a person's desire, can cancel or override God's creative and permanently ordained assignment of gender. This idea sails across the media under the flag of equality and justice and rights and everybody ought to feel good. But listen carefully to these voices. Gender difference written in Genesis is being denied. Basic creation truth. And within this politically correct thread, when the subject of sexual identity comes up, it is like some are saying, no matter what God did, I'll decide what I want to be. Isn't that it? Or it is implied that God somehow made a mistake and I'm going to correct it. So I'm calling this in our study today, creation truth number four. God made male and female. When Jesus spoke on the subject of marriage in Matthew chapter 19, here's what he said in verses four and five. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. 
What therefore God is joined together, let not man separate or put asunder. God made male and female. And Jesus, when he speaks of marriage, defines it. Male and female. Creation truth number four. The truth about marriage from the one who set up marriage and for the one who made male and female. Genesis isn't just history. It is a true account of history, but it's history with morally embedded truth. History in the Bible and in Genesis has moral principle and truth embedded for us today. Let me, let me take another minute to explain something. When I studied history in high school and college, it was mostly about learning facts along a timeline so that they could be repeated on the test usually the next day, right? It was data more than practical learning. Yes, I know that we're supposed to learn from history lest it be repeated. I'm aware of that. But that wasn't the emphasis in many of the history classes that we took. Because a history class that I can remember never ended with applications. Though sometimes it might have ended with a political agenda. History in the Bible has a timeline, has people, has narratives, has events and actions and reactions, all of that. But history in the Bible and in Genesis has moral principle and truth embedded for us today. Concerning, for example, marriage, from Genesis, we begin to see who God is, his actions and reactions, the verdict against man for his sin, and the grace of God that begins to make provision for Christ to come. I hope we understand in all of our Bible study and listening to preaching, to know Genesis is to know essential fundamentals, basic truths about God, the world, yourself, other people, law, sin, salvation, marriage, faith, and promise. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Moses wrote Genesis and told us where we came from, why we're here, and what God expects us to do so that we can be reunited with him sometime. Live by his precepts. Follow his son. Read the New Testament. Become a Christian. Please have your Bible open for me to close over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 25. 1 Peter 1 17 to 25. What, what does God intend for us to learn from Genesis? What does he want us to do with what we learn in Genesis? Just know it and learn it and be able to recite it or memorize it? Listen to a sermon about it? What does God intend for us to do with these and the other truths written on these opening pages of the Bible, the first couple of chapters, creation truth. What do we do with that? He tends for us to respond. He intends us to respond to him.
to love and obey Him, to glorify Him, to let our lives be placed under the one who created us and to be perfected by His promises in Christ through our response of faith. 1 Peter 1, 17 to 25. 1 Peter 1, 17 to 25. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, <coughs> like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown, before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. God brought you into existence. And he foreordained that you can be saved and have a good relationship with God now and in heaven through your obedient response to Jesus Christ. We pray that that response will be given from you from the heart now as we stand together. Thank you.